Hey guys, welcome to Hallowed Groundling. I'm here to do another Flashback Friday Fright Fest for you. I hope you're very excited for that. And I hope you guys are having a great summer so far and a great week. Um, So today is July 13th, 2018. Friday the 13th. Um, So, of course, I mean, I bet you can guess what this week's topic is going to be. (laughs) Um, When I realized it was Friday the 13th, I'm like, oh, well, I I know what I'm going to cover for this one. Totally. That's more Halloween. Sorry, totally is more Halloween. Anyway. (laughs) So, yes, today I'm going to be covering the original Friday the 13th, the very first film in the series, and a little bit of background about the series itself. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, I was about to say Halloween. (laughs) I'm still getting over my cold. I'm like two weeks out. That's why I still sound terrible. And I'm still like kind of foggy headed. So you have to forgive me if I'm like coughing or or making mistakes in my podcast. So anyway, um, so I'm I'm a big fan of Friday the 13th. I really love it. I think it's a, a, a great series. Um, I, I've always enjoyed it. It's always been a favorite of mine. I, I remember being, see, I mean, because I grew up, I'm, I'm born in 1978, so I grew up in the 80s. And, you know, Jason became like a, a pop icon figure, like Freddy did, you know, the same kind of thing. They both became very pop icon. And I had never seen the movies. I had just heard of them. I just knew Jason was in Friday the 13th, you know, and Freddy was in Nightmare on Elm Street. I actually didn't see... I was very lucky because, like I said, I was born in 1978, so um, Friday the 13th came out in 1980, and um, Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984. And, uh, you know, so I was way too young to see those movies in the theater, obviously. But when I got older, when I got to be... I was, I was actually 16, and um, it was Halloween. It was around Halloween time. And a local theater was showing horror films, like on the you know late night horror films. So my friends and I went to see Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. We got to see them on the big screen. So the very first time I ever saw both of them was actually in the movie theater, which is pretty exciting because I think a lot of people just saw them on on home video. And I got to tell you, when I saw Friday the Thirteenth the first time, I was so confused because I was like, I thought Jason was in this, and, and I was just like, what's happening right now? So. But I'll get a little bit into that. Um, but it, my confusion was very much like, uh, uh, oh, until we get to the end of the movie. And I was like, oh, wow, how interesting. I, I thought, like, they were all about, you know, the hockey mask Jason. You know, that was, to me, that was what Friday the 13th was. So anyway, a little background about Friday the 13th. So as I said, it was released in 1980. Uh, it was directed by Sean Cunningham. And it was written by Victor Miller. Um, a little bit of the backstory, I guess, um, Sean Cunningham, he, uh, was, he had this money and he was, he wanted to make an investment. He was, he was doing like softcore porn movies and all kinds of stuff. He was investing in all kinds of things. And he came up with the, the name Friday the 13th. He had no story concept or anything like that. He just had a name and he said, I bet I could sell this, you know? And I guess the story is he put out a huge, um, full page ad in the newspaper, that said Friday, come see Friday the 13th. And it worked. This group of investors saw it and said that they would give him the entire budget for the film. And he decided, you know, that he would, he would go and do this. And they hired writers and, um, who came up with the, the whole concept of, of what Friday the 13th was. And it wasn't meant to be a series at that point. It was just literally supposed to be this one time movie. Um, that's a little bit of the backstory about it. Uh, the cast, um, it was, uh, Mrs. Voorhees was of course the wonderful late, great Betsy Palmer, um, who 
so well let's let's not start with with mrs Voorhees. let's not start there a little bit of the let's give a little bit of the synopsis and then we can kind of go into the acting so the basic premise of Friday the 13th, for those of you who've never seen it, the very first movie is um, a group of kids. Uh, they're not kids, but a group of teenagers are going to be counselors at this summer camp. The kids aren't there yet. They're fixing the camp up. And they find out that um, every time that the camp has tried to open, this series of murders happen, the water goes bad, all these terrible things happen before the camp can open, so people are not successful. And this guy, um, Christie, Steve Christie, buys it, and he's working on it, and nobody's died yet, but um, slowly they find out like that, that all these bad things have happened every time somebody's tried to open the camp. And, uh, of course, all these kids come up, you know, he'll be damned, and they start doing all the, you know, the work on the camp. And uh, it's very clear that they're being watched. And slowly, each one of them gets killed off. And, uh, you know, sorry, full disclosure, I'm going to ruin it. Because if you haven't seen Friday the 13th and you're listening to this, I don't know what to say to you. But basically what happens is, at the very end, you know, Mrs. Voorhees shows up, and, uh, and she is with the final girl, Alice, and, and she reveals basically that her son was Jason and that Jason was, he drowned in the lake, uh, because the counselors weren't paying attention because they were fooling around. And, um, now because her son died, she is like refusing to let any other kids, you know, be killed. So she's seeking revenge on anyone who tries to open the camp. She's killing everybody that's involved or poisoning the water or doing what she has to do to keep the camp closed. Um, so, that's a little bit, that's just a quick synopsis on what Friday the 13th, the first Friday the 13th is about. And see, I still feel the need to say the first Friday the 13th, because I think, like, when you hear Friday the 13th, you think Jason immediately. And, and it's like, the first movie is really scary, I, in my opinion. It's a really great movie. I mean, I think that the first Friday the 13th is very scary, actually, um, and really well done. You know, um, it has it has really great timing. Uh, it's really creepy. It's it's just a well done well done slasher film. I really enjoy it very much. Um, so yeah, some of the um, let me talk about some of the acting in it. So let's start with Alice, who is basically the final girl. Uh, she's played by Adrian King. Adrian King did a great job. She's a wonderful final girl. Alice is awesome. She's a great character. I really like Alice a lot. I think she's um, just she's kind of t- she's a tough. She's a badass. You know, she's a little bit like she's a little wispy at first, and you think, oh, she's nothing, you know. But then, like when when push comes to shove, she ends up being really great in the movie. Um, and then um, my absolute favorite character in the entire movie is Marcy. Uh, I love Marcy, played by um, Jenny Taylor. She's really funny. And what I loved was that if you haven't seen it yet, if you're a big Friday the Thirteenth fan, you have to watch Crystal Lake Memories, which is basically. Um, they, they, it's a documentary where they cover every single movie in the entire series all the way up through the remake, the, the one they did in 2009, uh, the Michael Bay remake, which, you know, you could go without forever. Um, but, <laughs> but they, they went all the way through to that one. And actually, I even enjoy that one. I, I, I have actually, I got to give a little play, even though I said you could avoid that one. Um, the only enjoyable part, uh, for me was, watching Crystal Lake Memories and seeing um, Derek, uh, of course his last name is flying out of my head at the moment. He's the one who played Jason in the movie, and he is so delightful in Crystal Lake Memories. He's he's so sweet and so funny, great sense of humor, huge fan of the series, was like 
so excited to get the role of Jason, like was the perfect person to choose because he was such a big fan and he was so, he, he knew the movie so well and he knew all the guys that had played Jason over the years and he was like really excited to do it. And I was so like charmed by him when I watched Crystal Lake Memories. I mean, I was sitting there, I'm like, this guy is like the sweetest and the entire cast had nothing but like the nicest things to say about him. He's just the sweetest, sweetest guy. Like I, I loved, loved watching him in Crystal Lake Memories. And I actually, um, it's really funny actually because I tweeted to him um, that when I started following him, Derek Mears, that's his last name. I knew it was a, an M, but I could not think of the name. I had to look it up real quick. But I, I tweeted to Derek Mears and I said, you know, you were the you were my favorite part of your section of Crystal Lake Memories because you're just so sweet. And I said, I, you were just so charming. And he immediately said thank you so much and like tweeted back to me because he's just such a nice guy. Anyway. I enjoyed that part of it. That was such a segue, but I had to say that because I had just dissed the <laughs> remake. I mean, it's not a great remake, but he's really wonderful, and I I was charmed by him very much. And I keep following his career because of that. I just thought he was such a charming guy. So anyway, a um, little bit a uh, <laughs> little bit of a segue off the off the path. <laughs> um, so yeah, Marcy is my favorite. Anyway, I was going about Janine Taylor, and Janine Taylor in the uh, Crystal Lake Memories is really funny, too. Like, she tells great... She's just she's just as wacky as she is in the movie, like, in real life. Like, her, her, her persona in person is just really funny. Like, she was just very silly during the, the documentary, and I enjoyed her. Because I always liked Marcy in the movie. I thought Marcy was really funny. She, of course... Um, her boyfriend is Jack, and Jack is played by the fabulous Kevin Bacon, uh, who got, you know... Not his start. He had done uh, Animal House before he had done... Friday the 13th, but he definitely was on his way. And, and of course, right after that, he ended up getting Footloose, which skyrocketed him, you know, into the stratosphere. And he's a wonderful actor. And obviously, he's great in Friday the 13th. I mean, you could still see his chops. He's really great. He's a good, he's a solid actor. You know, he always has been. Um, and he's wonderful in it. And then, um, as more of the teenagers, uh, one of them is, um, who plays Bill is Harry Crosby, who is the son of Bing Crosby, which I found really fascinating when I watched uh, Crystal Lake Memories because he's just such a, um, just a, just like you you wouldn't even think of it, you know. And then when you find it, you're like, oh, that's that's quite interesting. And they didn't know, I guess, at the time when they had cast him that he was the son of Bing Crosby because I guess he wasn't using it as you know leverage to get movies. Which good on him, you know. I mean, good for you to try to go out and do it on your own and not rely on your your famous parents. Um, but he's enjoyable too. Actually, everybody really is in it. I love Brenda too, who's the vegetarian. Um, I'm a vegetarian, so I, I'm like always enamored of that. <laughs> and she's really funny. You know, I love when she's like, you know, trying to get them not to eat burgers and she wants them to eat like apple pie. And I just, she's very sweet. Um, and she's played by Lori Bartram, who um, unfortunately passed away in 2007 from cancer. So, but she's enjoyable too. She's like wonderful in the movie. Um, a couple of other, so um, Ned is played by Mark Nelson. Ned's like the class clown kind of guy. He's really silly and funny, and um, they're all really well done, I have to say. They picked really solid actors, and come to find out, I mean, all of them were theater actors. All of them were, a couple of them, I think, I think I believe it was um, Mark Nelson and Janine Taylor were in a uh, theatrical production together before they did Friday the 13th. Um, and they had just worked together, so they were really excited to work together again. And, you know, they're just solid actors. They're all, like, solid character actors, so it, you believe them. You believe that they're these young kids just at this camp, you know, that they're going to go work at for the summer. 
at least I do. I mean, I, I enjoy watching the performances in it because I like, you really do feel like you're watching like a home movie or something, you know, you feel like you're watching something that's like, um, maybe something you're not supposed to see, you know, uh, a couple more, um, mentions, uh, is, uh, Ron Milkey who plays officer Dorf, which is like, I love that scene so much where the officer comes up and he's, you know, um, he's like just so stern and, and they're all like real silly. And Ned comes out like with a, you know, a headdress on and, you know, and, and like they're just, and he, he's like, you know, trying to question all of them and everything. And it's, it's pretty funny. I enjoy that part. Um, and I like him so much. Uh, the other, um, honorable mention to, of course, is, uh, Walt, Gur- uh, Walt Gorney, who played Crazy Ralph, and Crazy Ralph was like the, you know, you're all doomed, who I love, too, because he's just crazy and wonderful, and he came back, um, he was in the sequel, he was in he was in part two, which is pretty cool, as as Crazy Ralph, once again, and he was like a solid character actor, and, and, and really, really good, too. I, I love that scene where he shows up at the, the cabin when Alice opens the door and he's behind it and he says, you're all doomed. And like, they've already even warned about him. And he like goes outside. And I love that scene where it's so creepy. It still gives me goosebumps. Every time I watch it, when Alice like slowly opens the door to watch him leave and he just looks up and he just goes, you're all doomed real quiet, you know, and rides off on his bike. And they have that like really sinister kind of music playing underneath. If you hear all these like weird noises in the background, that's my cat. She's playing like right next to me. over here. Whenever you hear weird noises, usually it's my cats more, more likely than not. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I really, I love him as a character. I think he's, he's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, he gets killed off in part two, which is really sad, but he does uh, he does get killed off in part two, unfortunately. Um, so, just some interesting facts about the movie. Um, the film takes place on June 13th, 1980, which in fact was actually a Friday the 13th, which I thought was really cool when I did some research and found that out. I didn't know that before. Um, I think that, you know, that, that like... I think it's probably, and, and as far as I remember, and I'd have to look this up, it is the only Friday the 13th movie to actually take place on Friday the 13th, because um, I believe, I don't know, maybe part two does, because part two takes place later, way later after this everything happened in the first one, so it might also be, but I think three, you know, three is the day after part two. So then it like it kind of goes in succession after that, like like the next day and then the next day and like it's just like so like now we're on Sunday or Monday, you know, and um, it's kind of funny when you think of that timeline. I had never put that together until I watched Crystal Lake Memories. I keep plugging that. Please, if you have not seen Crystal Lake Memories, as I said, I think I said this before too. You have to see it. It's really good. It's like it's like three and a half hours long. It's pretty long because they cover every single movie, and they give each movie. A, a very thorough cover. I mean, like you, you get to like find out all these cool facts about each movie. You know, if one of them is your favorite, you know, you can find out all these neat things. Um, Corey Feldman hosts it, and he's you know because he's great, and he and he's wonderful. He's very tongue in cheek during it. He narrates the entire thing, and of course, they interview him when they get to part four, and um, he's wonderful. Like he's he's really good in it, and he he definitely loves that he has an association with Friday the Thirteenth, which I love. I think that's great. You know, I love when people. It will say yes. I was involved in this instead of hiding from it. You know, I think that's a that's a good thing. 
But as I said, you have to see it if you haven't. So the makeup effects and the special effects were done by Tom Savini, who is a genius and wonderful. And uh, he did some an, some amazing makeup effects during this movie. Um, he, you know, of course, he, he invented the look of Jason. When Jason, you know, pops out of the lake at the very end, he made that whole look up. Um, and he, you know, he's done all these really great effects. I mean, one of the most, still most, amazing effects to me is the, um, how Kevin Bacon dies, you know, when that, when he's laying on the, the bed, I remember watching that in the theater. As I said, I remember sitting there and when he's just laying there and he's just, you know, smoking a joint and chilling out. And then all of a sudden when that arm comes out and the hand grabs him on the forehead and you just see the arrow come right through his, Oh my God. I remember everybody screaming in the theater when the arm came out from under the bed to grab him and his face was, you know, and it was just, I remember that so clearly. I remember the, like everybody screaming in the theater and going, Oh my God. Like when the, you know, when the arrow came through his neck, it was just really exciting. And the movie had been out. I mean, I was 16. So that movie came, I was like, what, that must've been 94. And, and when I did that, when I went to go see it and still in 94, 14 years after its release, Maybe some of the people had already seen it in the theater. People still were screaming in the theater, which kind of proves to you that it's just like these movies are timeless in a way. You know, they still have that effect on people. I think that, you know, movies have definitely gotten more gory. You know, they slasher movies are different than they were before. Um, and, I, I mean, the mystery thing is is always fun. You know, that's the great part of Friday the 13th is you don't know who's doing the killing. Throughout. I assumed, as I said, when I saw it, that it was Jason throughout because, to me, that was Friday the 13th. And I thought, oh, this is Jason. This is the first. He, you just don't see him in the first movie. And then when it was his mom, it was so like, whoa, that's really neat, you know. Um, I liked that. I liked that idea very much. Um so back to Tom Savini. Uh, yeah, Tom did a lot of great makeup effects for this movie. I mean, um, that one in particular, like I said, that special effect is really awesome. I love that. I love when uh, Mrs. Voorhees gets beheaded at the end. Um, she's like, <clears throat> that That scene is just amazing. And I love that they did that. And they, they used like, they put it on with like toothpicks. And, it, and they when they did the machete, you know, Tom Savini would do the machete to be sure that it was accurate and then like they just like you know it was in this he had this small range of where he could hit into it and have the head roll off and everything and he did it they did it in one take you know because these effects cost so much and they took so much time to put together that I can't imagine they must have been so nerve-wracked when they did these films because you know you you spent all this time and money putting up this special effect and if it goes wrong you know, you might have to do it all over again. And it's another, you know, couple days of, of time consuming, you know, building another head or building another whatever. And, and I just, I have so much respect for old school special effects. I love them so much because of that, because people, they, they took so much time and energy and effort to, that they put into them, you know, whereas now we would just do a computer effect that would take no time at all. And I think that uh, that charming aspect of it is, uh, is is sorely getting missed at this point. I mean, we still have K and B. We still have these really great people that are out there that do these wonderful effects. K and B does like all of you know, um, The Walking Dead, and you know, uh, Greg Nicotero, and like they they do some great. They do beautiful stuff still, you know. But I think it's something that's kind of going out, unfortunately. When I met Tom Savini at Scaricon, I had him sign my um, Friday the 13th poster, which I'm going to have framed and put up in the house. Um, 
because I really love him and I really respect his work. I think he's a, he's a genius. Um, he's up there with, you know, Rick Baker and they're all, uh, and you know, Sam Winston, all these amazing special effects creators. Um, so a couple of cool little facts about Friday the 13th. Um, when it came out, uh, Gene Siskel very famously gave it a, a terrible scathing zero star review. And, uh, he, he actually hated it so much that he gave away the ending. He, he told everybody what happened at the end, that it was his mother and, uh, Ebert hated it as well. And, um, apparently they made it as part of their series called war on women's. They made it out like that because it was this, um, slasher film where a lot of females died that was this, you know, they, they were saying it was misogynistic and everything like that. And maybe some people believe that it's misogynistic, but men get killed in Friday the 13th too. It's not like it's all women. And actually, women almost always are the final person in it. So I think it's pretty women empowering, if you want the honest truth. Um, and you can fight me on it, I don't care. But I, I, I've always found that slasher films, I mean, look at, look at, you know, look at Nightmare on Elm Street, look at Nancy. Nancy's one of the coolest characters. Look at Halloween with Laurie Strode, who is coming back, you know, 40 years later to defend herself. I mean, like, they, like it's really cool. I love Final Girls. I'm a real big fan of the Final Girls. You know, I got to meet Amy Steele at uh, Scaricon 2, who actually was, was Ginny in uh, Friday the 13th Part 2. And she's a great, I mean, she's a great Final Girl. You know, she comes in at the end and she's just like, you know, defends everything and, and you know, the guy falls, you know, Paul falls away, you know, we don't even know where Paul ends up at the end. Um, but I don't know. I don't find them misogynistic. That's, it's just not the way that I view them. I think that they're actually done in a very, um, empowering way. Um, yeah, so he, yeah, they, they made this as part of their war on women series as, as misogynistic. And, um, I always found the, <laughs> this to be completely hypocritical but um, Gene Siskel apparently also, when he gave this such a scathing review, he gave Betsy Palmer's address out to people and encouraged them to like write her scathing letters about this movie. And I thought, you know, you're, you're talking about how it's it's misogynistic towards women, but now you're going to make you, you know you're going to make all these people write her evil letters. Like, so you're going to like hurt this woman by saying this mo- movie hurts women. How does that make sense? You know, <laughs> I'm I'm not a huge fan of Siskel and Eber. I never have been. Um, I mean, I understand why they're there. I understand why critics are there. I mean, I'm I'm doing critiques too. You know, this is what I'm doing. But it's like, I think at the same time they also were a bit harmful in that way. You know, that they 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 got so like they would knock things down so horribly. You know, they were not. Neither one of them were horror fans at all. Um, Gene Siskel also very famously gave you know Jaws a bad review. He gave Silence of the Lambs a bad review. Um, you know he just didn't like horror movies. So why he would ever go see a horror movie, I have no idea. And you know I can respect somebody not liking a horror movie as long as they see it and they just say, oh, it's not from you know. And and if you say it's not for me or whatever, it's fine. It's like it's okay. Um, but I've always you know even though even if I don't like a film, I always appreciate um, you know when somebody can. I should say one, sorry, if one doesn't like a film, I can always appreciate if they see it and they appreciate how others feel about it and they like can kind of stretch and understand why other people like it. Um, 
I mean, there's definitely, you know, movies that I don't like. I'm not really, like, anti-genre. I, I pretty much like everything for the most part. Um, like, all ki- like I love stuff from all different genres all over the place. I, there's no genre in particular. Even westerns, which I'm not as big of a fan of, but I really do. There's plenty of westerns that I love. Um, and, you know, that... Like I can still appreciate things, you know, even if if I'm, it's not one of my favorite things, because I can see where the merit is in it. And um, I guess a lot of people don't see what the merit in horror films are. You know, um, I think that you know that was something that you know my cousin and I were discussing in the last week's uh, podcast for Jaws, and we were saying about you know she was she like she was talking about we were asking whether or not Jaws was a horror movie. That was one of the things she wanted to talk about, and I said you know that I definitely feel Jaws is, but you know, establishments like to take away the title of, you know, the the genre of horror because they put it on the same level with porn. And especially when a movie gets to be like an Oscar nominated movie, like Jaws, like Silence of the Lambs, they like to take away the horror uh, title on it because they don't want it to be put into a category that is uh, lower art in a way. Um, And it's not, in my opinion, it's not at all. Uh, I went off on a little tangent there. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, you know, it was something that it was like when I read about that, I said, oh, my God. You know, I mean, I'd known that they'd given it scathing reviews. I know they give horror movies, but I love that. You know, when he gave Betsy Palmer's address out to people, I was like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would like that's just horrible to do. Like, why would you sit there and talk about, you know, how. Uh, you know, women need to be treated more fairly in a movie and then turn around and give a woman's address out so that people can go and harass her. I'm like, that's just ridiculous, you know? And I'm sure there were idiots that wrote her letters and maybe showed up at her house, unfortunately, you know? But yeah, she was still around, and I'm sure she was... Uh, she she definitely probably had something to say about that. Um, some other fun facts. So the year that uh, Friday the 13th came out in 1980, it had some great um, horror comrades that year uh the shining came out in 1980 dressed to kill uh the fog and prom night all came out in 1980 so it was in very good company that year most definitely um and of course as we know you know friday the 13th uh went off and spawned several sequels um and some of which i mean actually i really love i really love friday like I, I am not a big fan of five. The final chapter, I'm, I'm not a big fan of. Not just because they kind of went in another direction. It just isn't a, a great movie, in my opinion. I love six. I love Jason Lives. Um, it is a, like, if you have not seen Jason Lives, it is a brilliant... I probably actually end up doing a podcast on Jason Lives because I really, really love that one so, so much. Um if you've never seen it, it's really good because so five, um, the, when, when the, when five came out, five was like, basically they, they changed the entire thing. They did that. They did a totally different, you know, um, idea to the series. You know, it was like, it was, it was basically, it was another mystery, but it ended up being this like guy that, you know, uh, worked like, um, he worked at, like at this, uh, uh home and, you know, he, um, his son gets killed and he is the one who's going around and he's doing all the, um, all the killing and he's like posing as Jason basically. And it's Tommy, Tommy comes back as like the, um, Tommy's in part four. That's, uh, um, 
Corey Feldman's character. And, uh, you know, he's grown up now, but he comes back and he's staying at this, like, home for kids and, like, you know, and it's just, it's not great. Anyway, and Jason wasn't really in it. It was actually somebody posing as Jason. So I think to promise the people that they were going to bring Jason back in part six, that's why they call it Jason Lives. Um, it's written and directed by Tom McLaughlin, who is amazing. Um, and it's really tongue in cheek. Like six is really funny and tongue in cheek and, and, but still spooky and scary. And Tom McLaughlin has a huge love of classic monster movies. So, you know, he revives Jason in a very, you know, gothic horror kind of way. And it's just really done well and really funny. He's like a mime and a comedian. He was, you know, he does improv. So he's got this great background to do this. And he, he was really excited to be a part of the series and to take it in another direction, which he totally did. And it's really fun. Um, and then of course, you know, seven, eight, nine, and Jason X introduced, uh, Kane Hodder to the series who played Jason for those four, um, years. I, um, I love Kane Hodder. I got to meet him. I was real lucky at TerrorCon. Um, I have a fabulous picture that I will post of, uh, my boyfriend and I with Kane Hodder. <laughs> um, and he, he's great. He's such a, he's such a cool guy. And uh, definitely was really fun as as Jason. He he played Jason in a totally different way. And you know, it's funny because like when you watch Crystal Lake Memories and they interview all the people that played Jason over the years, you know they all talk about like what they were doing, like why they were. And you know you think, oh well, it's just a guy in a hockey mask. But it's like, no, you kind of have to have like presence. You have to have some kind of. You can't be scary. Like if I just walked in in a mask, I don't think I'd scare people. You know what I mean? Well, it depends on what mask, I guess. But you know, I wouldn't. I don't think I would walk in a room and scare people. I think it's the presence. I think it's the size. I think it's everything about you. The way you move. The way you. You know that. And each one of them, when you watch each movie that Jason is in, you see the way he moves. You see the way that he does things. And it's like each one brings their own kind of uh, way about them. You know, some of them run, some of them don't run. You know, of course, like if you play the Friday the 13th game, which I do, you can play all of the different Jasons, which is pretty fun. You you know, where you can't run, you can only walk, you have a machete, you have this, you have, you know, you have all these choices for, for killing. I actually, I bought an Xbox for myself last year, and uh, that was the first game that I got, was the Friday the 13th game, because I really wanted it. <laughs> what a surprise. Um, and it's fun. I love playing it. I'm not great at Xbox, you know, I'm really not, but I, I do enjoy playing it a lot, and I, I'm like getting a little better as I play it more and more, but I, I really do like it a lot. And it's a great game if you haven't played the Friday the 13th game. Um, the one last thing that I'll mention is uh, going on right now is uh, Victor Miller, who wrote the original screenplay of uh, Friday the 13th, is in a legal battle right now with uh, Sean Cunningham because I guess when they made the initial deal, Victor Miller didn't make a very good deal for himself and he didn't have a very good uh, back-end payoff to him. And, of course, now it's a billion-dollar franchise and uh, he he created he helped create it. You know he he came up with Jason. He came up with all these things. So I guess he's in a legal battle right now with Sean Cunningham's people to um, get a little bit more money. Which I think that you know they have to like they have to bend and pay people like what they what they're owed. You know it's basically like what happened to Wes Craven when they did Nightmare on Elm Street. Is that you know Wes Craven made a deal where he didn't get anything. Basically, he kind of sold all the rights to it in order to be able to make it. And then, of course, it became this gigantic franchise. And you know, that's just when you have to sit back and watch something you created, like just go on this giant. You know, you watch it like do. And of course, I mean, Wes Craven went on to have this amazing career. You know, it's not like he he went off and did nothing after Nightmare on Elm Street. But it's like 
you still have to sit there and watch something you created go whatever direction that these people that own it want it to go. And I can't imagine what that's like when you create a piece of art and then like you have to just basically watch people do whatever they want with it forever. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's weird. And, and, and I understand that that's, you know, the deals that people make in order to have their films made, they have to make these deals, but I think it's kind of bad too. So I'm hoping that that gets settled soon because apparently there'll be no more new content for anything until, um, although they're doing new content for the game, um, but there won't be any like new movies or anything until this is all settled. So, um, I mean, I'll be happy if they don't make, they're probably going to make another Friday the 13th remake with Michael Bay company. And I'm, I'm okay if I never see another one of those, but I would love to see something else, you know, like something else done by the same people that have made it like kind of like they're doing with Halloween, you know, making like a, like a 40th kind of thing. Um, you know, of course, Betsy Palmer has gone now, but, um, let me just briefly actually also like one last thing I want to mention about, um, the series and about, um, Everything is. I want to talk about Betsy Palmer, who I touched on briefly. Um, Betsy Palmer is amazing in this movie. I mean, she is incredibly scary. She's incredibly believable as his mother. I believe her. Like, the minute she comes in, I'm like, this woman's, you know, she, she's... Um, Harry Manfredini, who did the, the score, which I should also mention. Oh, my God, I forgot to mention the score. The score is, a, the score is really well done. It's very uh, light. It's actually very light. Um but it's it's really wonderful uh and he's he's fantastic he's done such a great job on the scores for these films you know um just the brief thing i know big fans know this but hey maybe you're not such a big fan uh, the famous that's actually not that um it was harry manfredini is actually imitating betsy palmer with her killer mommy killer when she says it into the into the uh, camera and he took the k and the m from kill and mommy, and he went k, m, k, and that turned into k, 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 m, 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 in an echoplex. So he like fed it through there, and that's what it turned into, and that's why where that sound effect came from. I love that little little tidbit fact. Um, but his score is incredible. He did such a great job. But he he made a comment during. Um, Crystal Lake Memories, where he said to, about Betsy Palmer, he was like, he says, the moment where he you look at her and you say, you're crazy and you know it and you don't care. That's what he said to her. <laughs> because she really is. I mean, she's, she's tapped. We know she's tapped. And we know that she's, when we figure out that she's done all this, that she's killed all these people because she just needs to keep this place closed so that her son, you know, she can kind of avenge her son's death. Um, you feel bad for her, you know, that, but also she's insane and you know she's insane. And I mean, the cat and mouse that she does with Alice, like it's really, it's a very like nail biting. It's always nail biting to watch, you know, especially when like Alice locks herself in the pantry and she like, you know, when, when you see the knob just moving over her head every single time. I love that shot too. That's another fav- favorite shot of mine in the whole movie. Um, but she's so great in it and, and she was so believable and I love I love her character. I think she's one of the best characters in the entire series. Um, you know, I, I I missed her afterwards, you know. I definitely wish she had come back than more than just a um a little ghosty memory in part two, you know, over um Amy Steele. So that's about it. Um that's my uh flashback Friday Fright Fest for Friday the thirteenth. Um So I hope you guys have a very happy Friday the 13th. Um, If you're going out camping, you know, 
um, if you have sex and do drugs, and I hate to tell you, but he'll probably, uh, Jason will probably be coming for you or his mom, who knows? <laughs> but I hope you guys have a great, great day and I'll, uh, see you later. Stay spooky. Bye.